Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. Today I have a really interesting case. I say that because this is a case that even I knew very little about and I pride myself on knowing lots of true crime. So first we're going to talk about the Halloween killings of the Lisk family. This took place Halloween 2010. 16-year-old Devin Griffin had been staying at his dad's that weekend. His parents were divorced and his mom remarried in 2001 to a man named William Lisk. He went by the nickname Bill. Devin's mother, Susan, had another son that lived with them named Derek, who was, I believe, 23. And Bill had one son that was named after him who went by the nickname BJ. He did not live with them but stayed over there the Saturday night before Halloween. He didn't usually stay the night at their house because he had really violent tendencies, but Bill Sr. and him had gone hunting earlier that day, and then they had some beer with friends. I guess they drank enough so that Bill did not feel comfortable driving BJ back, so he just made him up a bed on the sofa that night. It was a special exception, I guess. Mind you, Derek hadn't been staying there that weekend. He was at his dad's, and that Sunday morning, he popped into the house just to change his shirt for church real quick. He did see BJ, and he actually said that BJ was different because he was really chatty and seemed to be in a really good mood, which was not like him. He was asking Derek what he was doing and when he'd be back and, you know, just more talkative than normal. After popping into change, Derek left very quickly, and he went to church. Now, when he gets home from church, I'm betting this is probably around like noonish, just give or take, based off of me and my family going to church in the past. So at about 1.30, he found it really odd. He's in his house. He's been playing video games and nobody had been making any noise in the house. Not his parents, not his brother. So he goes to his parents' bedroom where his mom and his stepdad are in bed. The covers are pulled up over their heads and he just starts chit-chatting to his mom, trying to wake her up, but she doesn't even stir. Now her leg was sticking out and he sort of started like poking it and continued talking to her. When he pulled back the blanket, he saw her pillow had been soaked in blood and he initially thought this was a Halloween prank. I mean, it was Halloween after all, Halloween day. And I think this is a defense mechanism of our minds sometimes. There's been other cases where people who stumble upon the bodies of the victims don't quite register what they see at first. Quickly, he realized it was not a prank and they were actually dead. They'd probably been dead the entire time he'd been home after church. So he panics. He runs outside of his home and he calls his aunt who then comes over and calls 911. All victims had been found laying in their beds. There was no indication of a struggle, but there was obvious trauma to their heads. In fact, they initially could not tell if Susan and William Sr. had been bludgeoned to death or shocked. The other strange thing was Susan looked slightly unnaturally posed as if her body had been moved or adjusted. After the coroner did a full examination and autopsy was performed, it was concluded that Bill had been shot five times in the head and face within a one to two foot distance and Susan had been sexually assaulted and shot at close range three times both were with a 22 caliber weapon now Derek was locked in his room and he was curled up facing a wall in his bed he'd been bludgeoned to death with a claw hammer that they actually found in the home and he died within minutes of the first blow 
what makes this story so tragic and lack justice in a very twisted way is the perpetrator of these crimes was Bill Sr.'s son, BJ. You see, BJ had a list of violent offenses on his record, and the police were super familiar with the Lisk home due to domestic disturbances centering around BJ. See, BJ did not like his stepmom, and he made that very clear. So trouble with BJ increased after 2001 when his dad married Susan. The first report I could find anything on was in 2002 when Bill Sr. called the police on BJ, who was 16 at the time, because he was threatening to kill himself. Now, when the police came out, BJ actually attacked officers for which he faced juvenile charges. A couple years later in 2004, BJ was then 18, he attacked his stepmom and he hit her forcibly in the chest a couple times. A couple months following that, he escalated, striking her in the head with, I believe, a coffee mug. I'm not sure, but striking her in the head and taking off with her keys. He was initially charged with assault and battery, but was deemed incompetent to stand trial, and the charges were later dropped. In 2006, BJ was 20, and his father, Bill, was granted guardianship over him. You see, Bill was very optimistic about BJ, and he loved him unconditionally, and he always fought to get BJ help for some mental illness he believed BJ struggled with and not just get him into trouble. So in 2007, BJ was hospitalized for bipolar and schizophrenia. Although Bill was optimistic of BJ and that he would not actually hurt them, uh, neighbors were not, and friends were concerned also. Some neighbors actually suspected BJ of killing and torturing their family pets. Eventually, he was moved into a group home for the mentally ill, but he wasn't super far from his dad. His dad lived in Toledo, and the group home was in Sandusky. Now, these are about an hour apart on I-90, so Bill visited his son a lot, but because of BJ's violent tendencies, he did not stay the night with his dad often. The night before Halloween was just like an exception, one that would cost Bill, Susan, and Derek their lives. After murdering his family, BJ took the family's Ford F-150 grabbed a Subway sandwich from Subway, went to his family's hunting cabin. Now, he was at the cabin less than an hour when a sheriff deputy rolled up. I can't remember exactly how far the cabin is, especially because sources vary a bit on it, but it was about an hour drive, meaning the police were really not that far behind him leaving the Lisk family home after murdering them. So when the deputy arrived, BJ had come outside and leaned against a post on the porch to light up a cigarette. The deputy ended up holding him at gunpoint until backup officers arrived. William Lisk Jr., known as BJ, was held on a $3 million bond. They found him competent to stand trial, but he ended up taking a plea deal. In 2011, he pled guilty in exchange for a life sentence without the possibility of parole. (sighs) According to the Port Clinton News Herald, before sentencing, he apologized for killing his father, Susan, and Derek. He blamed his mental illness and Satan for what he did. Now, in 2015, a few years into his sentence, Lisk was found dead in his cell from a self-inflicted wound. There was no indication of foul play, and his death was ruled a suicide. 
It's so bizarre to me that he didn't kill the other stepbrother. Now, I can't verify this. It's only a guess, but I'm assuming Devin must not have driven yet or been driving himself. So someone was likely in the driveway waiting on Devin. That must be why he either committed this before Devin came and couldn't kill him or he did it after Devin left. Now, I think that he did it before Devin got home because Derek's bedroom door was locked when police searched the home and found the bodies. That made me think that BJ didn't do it after Devin went to church and he locked the door just in case Devin tried to go into his brother's room. So he probably assumed his brother was asleep maybe or didn't even try and go in his brother's room. Now that's just a theory though. Had Devin not had someone waiting for him in his driveway to take him to church, I firmly believed he would have been killed also. (sighs) There's not a lot of coverage on this case or where anybody is today, but this story is one of those crazy, awful ones, especially because Bill Sr. believed in his son and the possibility of his son being rehabilitated and, you know, getting control of this mental illness. His son killed them and it's awful so that's one of my stories and I wanted to share that one because it's not one that I'd heard of don't forget to go to my social media site storytime slayer to see photos of the family and what's so weird is you picture somebody like BJ being a total monster and we think that the outside of somebody should match their insides and he doesn't look like a monster so definitely go check out a picture of him before I tell you guys one more story I wanted to touch base now a couple weeks ago I did a case on Lorenzen Wright if you haven't listened to Lorenzen Wright's story go check it out because Billy Ray Turner's trial date was supposed to be October 26 but they pushed it back again to December 7th where they're only going to decide the courtroom style due to COVID. Now he's been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back because of COVID and it's driving me crazy because we're finally supposed to get answers. Remember Lorenzen Wright's wife did plead guilty but she did not testify as to anything that actually happened and this is our opportunity for full answers. So go check out that episode before we get the answers just because it's kind of fun to theorize right? Okay, let's do another story real quick. So this story is very, very new. It took place only a month before recording this. There's not enough intel to gather for me to do a full episode, but it's extremely shocking and evil what happened. And a lot of people are wanting to follow this story through the media and through trial when it starts. Just for full disclosure, this is a killer mom. This story involves children Thankfully, prosecutors plan to seek the death penalty against the mother, so there is some form of justice, but I just want to let everybody know before I begin the story that this is a mother-involved child death, all right? The story is of a monster named Lisa Snyder. She's 37 years old and resides in Pennsylvania. She's being charged for the deaths of her children, 8-year-old Connor and 4-year-old Brinley. Her other charges are animal cruelty, sexual intercourse with the dog, tampering with evidence, and child negligence. Here's what happened. September 23rd at 4.33, she called into 911 that her children were hanging by a dog cable in their basement. 
She indicated that they had killed themselves, or rather that her eight-year-old must have hung his sister, then himself, or convinced his sister to kill herself with him. She then offered the explanation that her son was being bullied as a motive for the suicides. According to Crime Online, she said that her son came home from school and wanted to make a fort in the basement. He wanted to use the dog cable as well. It was brand new. She had literally just ordered it the day before, and it came that day, so she must have primed it, right? Now, she went out for a cigarette, and when she came back inside, she found them both hanging in the basement unconscious. When police arrived on the scene, the mother was in the main level of the home. After finding her children, she made no attempt to cut them loose, nor did she return to the basement, which is so crazy to me, especially being their mother. The police found both children hanging from a dog cable in the basement with two chairs tipped over just a couple feet apart. When asked why she did not try to save them, she said that she did, but she began to sweat and had an anxiety spike because she couldn't. They were too heavy. Her daughter Brinley weighed 40 pounds and her son weighed 150. Not only did she mention to them that Connor was being bullied, she also told police that her son had been bullied so much he'd lost 20 pounds because he was being taunted about his size. Despite what Connor's mom said about bullying and depression, the school officials said that Connor actually had no visible issues at the school. Also, very important, Connor had a dexterity issue in which he received physical therapy at school. And the physical therapy said that he would have had extreme difficulty hanging them because he would even have difficulty clasping the dog cable. That's how serious of a dexterity issue that he had. Also worth noting, years before in 2013, Connor was just a baby and her oldest son, who was around 10 at the time, she lost custody of both of them. Now, they were later returned to her custody, but basically it's clear that there have been issues in the home before. Now, her oldest son is alive. He's 17 and he's staying with family. He was not at the home when this incident occurred. Thank goodness. The police dug into Lisa and they found a lot of suspicious things. For instance, the day her children died, she'd been Googling a lot of suspicious things like hanging, carbon monoxide poisoning, um, can hybrid cars produce carbon monoxide, how long does the poisoning take? What a freaking piece of shit. A friend of Lisa's told investigators that Lisa said she was basically done with being a mom and indicated she didn't want to get out of bed and take care of her kids anymore. She was depressed and just done. I know everyone wants to know why was she charged with sex charges related to bestiality. So while looking through her things, they found a chat between her and a man nicknamed Daddy. Okay. And she sent him an explicit video of a black and white dog licking her genitals along with the photo of her hand on a dog's penis. What a fucking freak. Okay. So on a side note, I wonder if that guy ever saw in the news this little chat that she had with a man named Daddy and is like, oh my God, I'm Daddy and is like thoroughly disturbed. I hope he gets the fuck off the internet, okay? I would feel a lot better if he did. So I do want to give my condolences to the family and I just hope for peace for Connor and Brindley. I hope Lisa Snyder faces justice for what she did. I'm a true crime addict, and I think that kind of makes me more inclined to support the death penalty just from seeing so many heinous cases. This is one of those cases where I would definitely vote for them to even go the extra step and warm up old Sparky. I hope she doesn't do a plea deal. 
Now, I will keep you guys posted on this case and what comes out in trial. I'm not sure when her trial date is set for. It's likely about a year from now. But I do want to thank you guys so much for tuning into Storytime Podcast. Go check out my social media site, Storytime Slayer. That's story underscore time underscore slayer on Instagram and just Storytime Slayer all in one on Facebook. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review or at least an honest one, right? Feel free to email me at storytimepods at gmail.com. I love to get encouragement, recommendations, and requested stories. So I also am totally interested in any freaky stories or occurrences that you guys want to send it about you, you know, your friends, a family member that had a strange run in with somebody, uh, something crazy that happened in your small town, any Halloween experiences that you guys had, just bring it on. Anyway, guys, I'm going to leave you with this. If you see something weird, like a neglectful mom who just seems a little bit more depressed than normal or a son of somebody who is obviously a little more dangerous than their family can let on, please advocate for your friends. At the very least, raise your concerns with them. Recommend you know people they could talk to and even report them if you find it necessary. Anyway, guys, thanks again for listening. See you next week. Have a great day. Bye.